I have a cooling fan underneath my laptop. Ah, yeah, that'll do it. I yeah. unplug. Well, if anybody oh. sees, okay, we're still okay. echoing. Mm-hmm. Aaron, jump on. Let me know, and Ryan will message us whenever he's ready. Why are we echoing? I don't know. I can't hear it. It must be you. Are you all the way plugged in, Jen? I want to make sure I can't hear any. (laughs) Your fan is getting louder. (laughs) My what? It's just getting louder and louder on your end. It's really kind of funny. It's almost like sirens in the background. Yeah, it's like revving up. It's revving up for the kill. (laughs) I wish you could hear this. It's a great sound. It's almost as good as Trisha's. Doing sound. <laughs> I've never had this trouble before. It's weird. The echo, I was going to say, the echo seems to have stopped, but it's a little bit there, not so bad. But you are at three bars. And you're not making any noise at all. Well, I'm clicking my mouse. No. Do you have a fan on in the background? Is it hot there? I wish it was hot Oh, here. I know I'm what really it cold. is. It's the, uh, I wonder if it's the, um, fish tank. Oh, yeah, I bet. That would make it's, sense. Because that's what my fish tank actually sounds like. Yeah, it's the fish tank. And I have to be here for a second because I have another cake in. Or cake or a beef. Okay. Ah. Well, we'll figure it. We hear nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Well, hopefully it's, it's a really steady hum. So hopefully it'll just go out with the noise removal. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. Well, we're not echoing anymore. Yeah, Yeah, the echo stopped. What is that? I'm like, I've never had this problem. It's the fish tank. (laughs) Dang, fish tank. Oh, you love your fish. You know you do. Well, my daughter definitely does too, so. Yeah, it's like me and the You don't need to be near fish. I'm I'm a fish killer. Well, they're my my husband's fish, so. Thirteen fish died by my hands, and one committed suicide because he didn't want to die by my own hands. Uh Uh-oh. Well, Jeff's fish, that's all I do breed. Have the baby fish. Well, let me have them, then they won't be they won't be breeding anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's just wrong, wrong. I say. Are uh, we really the only three here? Yeah, I don't That's know where Rena went. Ryan said he sent you and Rena texts. I know it just seems odd not to have Rena here though. <laughs> I know, and I don't know. I could direct message her on Facebook one more time and just see. But Ryan said he sent her a text too, so I hate to bombard her. <laughs> No, I agree with you. Yeah. I think if she can get here, she will. Well, we can start with three and we'll just go from there. Ryan will be here. He's going to jump on as soon as he can. What you do to your kiddo? Oh, he's in bed. He's listening to Hunger Games as we speak. How old is yours? Uh, Mine? Yeah. Nine. Ah, and... We are echoing again. Did he go see it? Yeah, he got to see it twice. (laughs) Really? And I'm I'm curious. How, um, did you take him on premiere night? Um, no, I did not. Um, a buddy of his, his dad called and said, hey, can all come see the Hunger Games with us? I'm like, yeah, no problem. His, his baseball got canceled. So he went there. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I really want to go to the games. And my girlfriend so bought you, So you let him tickets. go see it before you saw it? Yep. <laughs> and then so after have, you saw it, after you saw it, how did you feel about him seeing it? Oh, I didn't think it was that bad. Hmm. Okay. Because for for me, I was thinking, uh, I was kind of like, he had a lot of questions. And I, it, might, it, might, it might, maybe I'm just a little conservative and might also be dependent on the kid and yeah. basically what, you know, how sensitive the kid is or, you know, whether the kid already, you know, plays, you know, like shoot em up games or, or whatever. Well, but My son is very into Star Wars. 
Well, um, believe me, I'm not passing in. I'm not passing any judgment. Oh no, no. <laughs> no I mean, I, we had there's had a really the girl that I went with on premiere night. Her son Elijah begged to go. He's nine. Begged to go. He's a very sensitive soul. It's like he's very. It's like he'll cry about the unfairness of lunch being. Yeah, I not, not. You know, yeah, I, it's like. Yeah, I would not let if that was my son i wouldn't let him go either you know he just he's a very sensitive soul any kind of injustice in the world is very affecting to him mm -hmm. and he's read the book so even the injustice you know of the games in the book were very and rue in the book she really had to talk to him about that because it really affected him but he begged to go to the movie and she's like i'm sorry elijah i'm not gonna let you go see it until i see it and then we went and saw it and we got back in the car at three o'clock in the morning and she looked straight at me and she's like, Elijah's not seeing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had a discussion about it on, you know, as we drove home. And then the very next morning I saw an article. It might have been on MSN or something about, you know, whether or not kids should see the movie. And the gist of the article was it depends on the kid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It depends on the kid whether, you know, what they are normally exposed to, you know, what their level of understanding of the subject matter is, blah, 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 blah. Some kids are, you know, old for their age. Some kids, you know, can handle more. You know, some mm -hmm. kids have been exposed to a lot more of the world than others. Yeah, well, but, for, for example, my son's favorite TV channel is the military channel. And yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> it, the thing is, I mean, he reads about history and he loves it. I mean, he got a book out about the Hitler youth and he read it with me and we had to and I had to explain. He read about the atomic bomb and all this other stuff. I mean, he had a lot of questions about the thing. And he goes, well, how did America get like this? I go, oh, it's a story. It's called fiction. It's America didn't get like this. He's like, oh, okay. And he's like, but what if America would get like this? What would happen? And I'm like, well, I go, this is just one theory of that. And he's like, I don't like it. And he goes, I think it should be like this. And so we just, I mean, it just got us into more of a debate than anything else. That was just really interesting when you said that your son went because that was that was one thing that was very predominant in my mind because that was, you know, as mom. You know, obviously this was, it's it's not a children's series. It wasn't written, you know, like Rowling mm -hmm. wrote Harry Potter. It was written for an older age group. Mm -hmm. Still a teen series, but it was written for an older audience. So mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, I was just curious how another mom handled that. So I'm yeah. just, I just want to jump in here too. Hi, I'm Ryan. I used to work here. We haven't started <laughs> yet. I work. I, I'm I'm very prominent here. I see a lot of articles about you know should you let your kids see Hunger Games, and I know a lot of parents who went to see it first, and some of them were more comfortable with it because of the one guy I think they had filmed the the fight scenes running with his camera. The question I have is like when you look at a movie like Deathly Hallows Part Two, and then you look at Hunger Games. Obviously, the subject matter is a lot more vicious than Hunger Games, but would you let your kids also see? You know, Deathly Hallows Part 2, which is probably the most violent of the Harry Potter movies. Is it the subject matter so much, or is it the way in which it's filmed, or what? Do you I think, think just... for me, um, for me as, as a parent, at least with my child, the way they, they filmed it, it wasn't, you got, they kind of like broke away of how the killing was going on. It was kind of like, oh, they're going to do something, and look, there's someone dead. Yeah, me, they did a really nice job of that. 
Yeah. For me, I can do that. It kind of, this sounds weird, but it kind of reminded me like a Silence of the Lamb thing. It made you imagine it more than well, it was. Well, the thing was is that I think that it actually made it a little more... <laughs> Um, we talked about this. I think that it actually made the deaths of the kids more visceral because mm-hmm. you didn't actually see it happening. You had to feel it more. You actually mm-hmm. felt the emotion of right. them dying so much more because you just didn't see them slash. You know, it wasn't just, you know, like a slasher action. Yeah, I'm picturing the, the kid from four who dies at the very beginning of the games because you see the like, curly head kid. Yeah, you, yeah. you see his curly hair in all the shots. I'm like, oh, buddy, even if I didn't read the book, I would know this is not going to end very well for you. And <laughs> with the moments of the thing beginning, yeah, the kid's dead. But I, I keep coming back to that because I keep picturing, you know, Deathly Hallows Part Two. You've got Lavender being eaten on the ground. You've got like little second years dead in the hall, you know, dead in the hallways. So you know. I'm wondering, is it more the subject matter of this puts you on red alert versus you know, the way in which they handled it? Because I think they toned it down a lot. Like, I'm even picturing at the end of, I, I keep forgetting this, The um, who's the career at the end who tries to kill Katniss and then she mentions? Hey, yeah, hey. they mentioned. No, no, uh, the, the girl who says we killed Rue, and um, what's-his-face here is that. But then it's Sparkles or whatever her name was. Glitter? Yeah. Uh, glitter, was it Glitter? Because all I remember is in the book, he bludgeons well, Chloe, her with a rod. Are you talking about our character with the knives? Yeah. 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 Oh, name's Chloe. Oh, that's Chloe. Yeah, because yeah, I'm just picturing that, because in the book, he bludgeons her, I think, with a rock, and in the movie, I think he he cut, he cut breaks her neck or whatever, but it's almost off-screen, and you just see her fall. Mm-hmm. So it's even that, like, er, down the line, everything got kind of got toned down. Like, I, I just... Well, they I had to they, do that to get it to the PG-13. Right. Right. And at the same time, I wonder, did it make it more acceptable for parents? Because I'm wondering how many parents wouldn't let their kids see this movie when if you actually, you know, were to break it down by the numbers, they probably let them see movies which are more violent, but you wouldn't maybe get that by reading, you know, the the synopsis of the movie. I think the synopsis of the movie is, I think, the lion's share of the problem when you just know what the movie's about. I think that's what I think sets more parents on end. Plus, because of Gen 2 over here, I'm watching The Walking Dead now. By the way, I'm putting you in a headlock unless we podcast on the on the end of season two. But I can't on, believe you've only done two of those. I was looking at the before. I know. Today, doesn't feel like two of them. them. I'm like, no, there should have been like four. What do you mean there's only two? Exactly. But you know, on The Walking Dead, I can't can't remember a scene where they said, you know what, let's tone this down. I cannot recall. They're opening (laughs) people's stomachs. Like, there's nothing on that show that hasn't been... It is you know, so gross. I mean, right, so I'm just that, and I'm like, what do you mean we don't see the curly-haired kid get shot? Because it's like, that's the mindset that I'm in. <laughs> and after having watched The Walking Dead, it's like you go from, you know, having, it's like all to going, like, back into your head for it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes your brain can imagine worse things. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. It's kind of like a Silence of the Lamb thing. Because in Silence of the Lamb, there was stuff that he was saying, and I'm like, that's even worse. And and my imagination ran away with me more than anything. And that's what I I kind of got with this. Some of those deaths, really, um, with the movie, they affected me more in the movie than they did in the book. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I didn't appreciate reading them in the book. It's just that, and maybe it's because I'm, maybe it's the whole mother thing now. The whole movie from the beginning you know, I could talk about this for ages, but <laughs> the at whole some point mom... we actually need to start the podcast. Here, let's start the podcast. Oh, I thought we already did. <laughs> the Poofle Exchange 
was our last best hope for conversation. We failed. But in season three, it became something greater. Our last best hope for entertainment. Hey, I'm Jen too. <laughs> I'm Trisha. I'm Sue. I'm Ryan. We're here talking about the Hunger Games, and I'm going to start because I'm going to forget because I have menopause and I forget things. So well, good to know. Good to know. Yeah, oversharing. <laughs> it's, it's my birthday in two days. I'm going to be 39. I did get a message telling me that not too long ago. I 39, which for some people is not that old. And for me, no. feels like I'm ancient. Gentoo, do you have your laptop plugged in? She's next to the yeah. fish tank. The fish oh, tank, okay, I'm that's sorry. what it is. I have my birthday <laughs> cake in the oven. When my birthday cake comes out of the oven, I will move. But I'm not going to burn my birthday cake. Okay. It does sound like an aquarium now that now that I think of it. Yeah, it, it took is. us a little bit of time to figure it out. It's my birthday cake, and I'm not. Oh, well, then you go, girl. <laughs> All right, okay. I think we just named the episode "Happy Birthday, Jen." <laughs> Jen hasn't really had a good birthday moment, I think, since episode eighty-four. You may may remember that as the Bow Chicka Wow Wow Popcorn edition of. <laughs> That wasn't her birthday. That was her anniversary. That was something. That was something, I'll tell you. I had to edit that. I had like four sound effects. I was in the middle of Maine by a lake, and I had only the sound effects I had available on my computer, and I somehow had to put together a Gen 2 sex scene. I've never been more proud of my editing abilities. I I believe it was I believe it was sweeps week. Yeah, it's sweeps week. Everyone wants to hear about Gen 2 banging her husband. Hey, it worked. We got the ratings. Anyhow, we didn't have any banging in the Hunger Games, which is good. The Hunger Games? Not yet. I just have to tell you this. Did anyone read the article today on Jennifer Lawrence that was in some, I don't know, read on Twitter on something? It described her personality, like, is told by her co-stars. Did anyone else read this? No. No. She's a Puffwanian. Like, when you listen to this... No, like when you listen to this, she walked into Woody Harrelson's trailer upon meeting him. This is her walking and saying, hi, I'm Jennifer. It's nice to meet you. And he had a yoga swing in his trailer. She walks in and says, hi, Woody. I'm Je- Is that a sex swing? And runs <laughs> over. And then one of the other, I don't remember which actor this was, went to her house or her wherever she lives where you know knocked on the door hello coming and she answers the door in in a towel which is not unusual sometimes you're in a towel the door rings you get the door it happens to everybody she takes the towel off and starts shaving her legs right in front of him he's known her 24 hours and she looks up at him is it too soon (laughs) she's one of us uh ryan i don't think any of us have actually answered the door in a towel, and then got naked to shave our legs in front of people. But well, the towel thing isn't weird. <laughs> well, yes, I know, I know, but it just seems like something a Puffwanian would do. I'm just That's, saying. Yeah, I, I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or next TMI. It's, a, it's a TMI thing. Yes. Because PS isn't here, I know she would want us to say this. For those of you who are fans of Caprica, 
Mrs. Everdeen was played by the actress whose name is escaping me at the moment, but plays Amanda Greystone on Caprica, the short-lived Caprica series. Remember, it got canceled, P.S., we couldn't approach her for three days, remember that? Well, Amanda Greystone, who's the mother on Caprica, plays Mrs. Everdeen, and it is exactly the same character from Caprica. She's drunk, she's a little stoned, she's staring off into space. It's virtually the same character. I think it's the best bit of casting I've ever seen in film. So I just want to point that out because P.S. is not available today. Speaking of casting, how did you think that the characters were cast? Well, I thought Hamish was perfect. Hamish was perfect. I I remember I just, the the podcast we recorded like seven years ago that we just released Monday, I I said I was picturing Craig T. Nelson, who's like 78 years old. I was picturing him. Oh, no, 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 no. They did a great job. Well, no, why? Woody Harrelson, I'm I'm used to watching him on Cheers where he's... Yeah, I know. That's what I was... I was having difficulty with that, but I think he did it perfectly. I think Donald Sutherland was absolutely perfect. And I have never... Did you see him in Pride and Prejudice? Yeah. Am I I the only geek that, you know, saw the Jane Austen and Donald Sutherland? I am going... I loved him in that movie. He was a wonderful Mr. Bennett in that movie. And now he is President Snow. And so I'm having this very huge disconnect from I know him from I, I've seen Pride and Prejudice recently with Danielle but I actually know him the first thing I've really seen him in because I'm sheltered I didn't carve a pumpkin until my late 20s the first thing I really saw him in was a political show that was on ABC back around 2005 it lasted one season called Commander in Chief and it starred Gina Davis as the first female yeah. president yeah. And, yeah. and Donald Sutherland yeah. Donald Sutherland played the very conniving, very political Speaker of the House who uh-huh. wanted to and, and beat her for, for, in the next election. So I'm used to him kind of in, like, presidential, politically conniving moments. Well, I mean, I've so I, seen him in other things, but then I saw him be Mr. Bennett. <laughs> and Mr. Yeah. Bennett was, was all soft and, you know, Mr. Bennett-y. <laughs> you know, and then and then now he's President Snow, and he's still got the big bushy eyebrows and the. Well, that's like when you see Dan Radcliffe in the interview. You're like, Harry, what happens? You know, he's got the big hair, and it's just like Mr. Bennett cannot be President Snow. I think it's perfect. I always think I think of President Snow as more as an older kind of I don't know like a Howard Hughes kind of kind of person that doesn't want to touch people and has like has gloves on because he's because he's very sickly because I remember he was coughing and everything like that I don't know why that's how I pictured him. yeah, I think the, the whole dastardly politician, because politicians want to appear to be your best friend, but in actuality they're outside having someone steal your car. So I think that Donald Sutherland was perfect. Yeah. Can we say that Stanley Tucci was a perfect Caesar Flickerman? Oh, he is just a great actor. He was, he was so awesome. Good. I didn't. I think he had fun with. I think I know he had. He oh, had, he had, had a ball. He had to have had a ball. The facial expressions the whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't Whoop. think that his hair was blue enough. Did I, you see the thing when they started the show and they did like the opening credits? There was the pictures of him going on either side of the actor, and it's him with all these different facial expressions, yeah, like surprised. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I thought that was. Serious. He was reminding me. I don't know why, but he was reminding me of Robert from Everyone Loves Raymond. I don't know what it was, but there was just so I was, was thinking, like I was thinking Regis. Yeah. Oh, I think they should have gone Regis Blake. Come on, what else does he have going on now? He's retired, yeah. but come on. Yeah. Okay, but wasn't Buttercup supposed to be orange? Yeah. They came okay. so close, though. <laughs> wasn't Octavia supposed to be green? Buttercup? 
No, Octavius. We have a bad line to the aquarium. I think one of you is talking about Octavius, and the other one's talking about the family cat. I'm talking about the oh. cat. <laughs> well, yeah, the buttercup was supposed to be orange. That was the first thing I said to Monica when we saw it on premiere night. It was the black and white cat. I'm like, is this supposed to be a tabby cat? You know what looked funny? Was the black and white cat actually in the room with them, or was it a shot of a black and white cat added in later? I don't know, I but can't. it was one ticked-off cat. I don't know if cat is... She walked outside the door. Jen, she were you... Jen, Jen, you're... You're blowing like, away. Like, the typing is one thing, but you're actually in the aquarium now, and I'm concerned because you could electrocute yourself. Or drown. <laughs> you're getting farther away. Are you going out to shore? What is going on here? Oh. <laughs> Did you take the headset off to go get the cake out of the oven? Oh, I'm right here. Okay, we're just checking where, out. Where is here? <laughs> we're just worried about you. I'm really surprised they didn't put Meg's in there. Meg, the 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 mayor's um, daughter. Oh, Maggie. Maggie. Yeah. No, Maggie. Ma- Madge. 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 Yeah. Madge. Like, who the hell is Meg? I think that would have required too much exposition. Well, yeah. like, well, it was nice. Thing, they didn't explain exactly what the Mockingjay was. Yeah, well, it was kind of like That's- the Marauder's map of the Hunger Games. Well, I like that they gave that part to Prim, though, because I don't think you probably needed Madge and Prim. You know what I mean? I, I think kind of worked focusing all the characterization on Prim. Yeah. Okay. It's, like, it's like with the I- Avox. They kept the scene with the Avox, but they left the Avoxes in the room so you could see them there. And- yeah, so yeah. if you had read it, you knew who they were, but if you hadn't read it, then you had no clue, and it didn't matter one way or the other. But it was a good nod to the fans. Yeah. And the whole bread yeah. scene sucked. Yeah, they were too old. Too yeah, they were too old. And it didn't really explain it very well. No. Well, in the, remind me of the bread scene. In the book, she's outside and she's starving to death. And, he and she's 11. Her. She's 11. And he, she's very hungry and she's out there. And it's not long after her father dies and they have no food. And isn't it, I don't remember if there's raining or is it very, well, no, it was raining, but it, it was raining. It was raining and cold. I think yeah. she was like faint. And she and was, like, right? almost passed out. But I thought she, but she saw was, But she was so hungry that she stopped out there because the bread smelled so good. Mm-hmm. But didn't the yeah. flower, she started flower, and, that, and she realized she could find flowers to eat, and that got her thinking she could hunt, and that kind of got her brain working that they, she could survive? Wasn't yeah. there something with the flower? A dandelion. Yeah. Dandelion. dandelion. You can have dandelion salad. Right. And then he deliberately burns the bread so that he can feed her. They didn't allude to that at all. They just showed him yeah. throwing the bread out. So unless you'd read the yeah, book, I wa- that. But I wonder, though, because it's the first of a trilogy, in the second book, are we going to see more of those scenes, have it complete, and have it go from the bread to the dandelion and have her explain the story? Like, maybe that this is just the beginning, and maybe well, they're going to... There was one point where, I mean, he, he, he was arguing. He, he was arguing with her and Hammond or something like that in there. And he's like, I should have threw more than just the bread to you kind of thing. Yeah. And then it was kind of like lost over. And I'm yeah. kind of like, uh. He said he should have gone out to her. Or, yeah, okay. They were in the cave. He should have taken it to her instead of throwing it out. And I think you only have so much time. Yeah. And that's one of the things that they, they got it in there that, Obviously, that he was throwing bread to her and that she was outside the bakery and they didn't want to pay two other child actors to come in and recreate the scene and, you know, put up the idea in there and you can't film it all. It's like Kez's argument with Harry Potter is like, you know, this is film and that's the book and you can't film a book because you can't visualize the word, you know, so... 
Hey, Jen, I just thought, because I'm having trouble hearing you too. Are you on your, your headset or are you on your computer mic? No, I'm on my headset. Because it doesn't sound like you're coming through like normally in your headset. It sounds like you're shouting from across the room. Is it possible you just, like, Skype is picking up a different microphone? Um. This isn't how you usually sound. You usually sound like you're right there. Right now it sounds like you're shouting from across the room. So I'm wondering if there's, like, a different mic it's trying to pick up. I don't think so. I mean, I went and did all my plugs and... You just check on Skype, just under, like, microphone or whatever, just see what microphone Skype is picking up. I mean, maybe it's fine, but that'd be just a shame if you were... <laughs> broadcasting the live from the dryer, the basement. <laughs> yeah, the right one. Okay. Okay. You just sound way farther away than you normally do. My cake just beat, so let me get my cake out of the oven, and then I will move. So okay. I'm gonna put myself on mute, and you guys can talk, and then I'll come back, and hopefully I'll be away from the fish tank and all the other okay. stuff. So I'll be back. Okay. Okay, so for the uh, Harry Potter, well, let's start it this way. Uh, what did we think of Effie? I think she, I think she did, did a good job. I think she grew on me the more it Wait went on. Wait a minute, you I, can't talk about that while I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, okay, we'll wait. Just hurry. <laughs> <laughs> I am hurry. <laughs> you can't talk about Effie. <laughs> Go get your cake. Okay. Peta. Can we talk about Peta or Peta? Let's or talk. How the hell do you from how do you pronounce Peta. his name? Peta. Peta. Okay. Peta and Gale. The kid was too damn short. Well, Seamus was short too. I mean, I you know what it is too. Is in, I don't Seamus read the description. I don't read the descriptions of the characters. Like I don't know why, but I think I prefer like even if I read them, I think I prefer to make up my own mind about what the characters look like. So I forgot that Rue was black and all that stuff. To, like until I think Rena told me before the movie came out, but. I, I don't absorb all that stuff. Like, I think Peta, I think he did very fine in the movie. The one character who kind of rubbed me a little the wrong way, and Danielle and I d- disagreed down the middle on this one, was Gale. Because Danielle was, like, swooning over him. But I was swooning, m- too. I thought he, he played it, like, either very, very hot or very, very cold. Like, I pictured... I'm trying to describe this. I pictured Gale more of... <sighs> Someone with, like, a sarcastic edge to him. Oh, hang on. Jen, she's rolling down the hill. <laughs> or Jen, too. <laughs> <laughs> we get her back to podcast and we pick on her the entire time. Me, too. She might not come back. Something's up with her mic. Yeah, she's moving. Yeah, that's on mute. Something's not working there. Yeah, the, she's not on mute at all. She's not on mute. Let's just wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to just say, like, a couple things and then take off because i got to be in Boston early in the morning. You're back. There's no way in hell you were on mute, dude. You're using a different microphone. <laughs> yeah, we heard every sound. <laughs> we, heard we thought you, you fell down the hill. We heard really? Yeah. And you sound like you're broadcasting live from Vancouver. Like you're really very far away. Like, is your computer maybe? Hold on. Let me put the thing back on mute. Can you still hear me? Yes. Yes. Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do this. Tap the tap the mouthpiece. If you're doing it, we can't hear that. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Where is your computer from where you are? How far away is it? Foot and a half. Like, tap the computer. Like, knock on the computer or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, we can yeah. hear that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the sound is coming from. Okay. <laughs> you're broadcasting live from in there. I, I don't have any idea how to fix it. It's a good thing Ryan's here. What about now? Oh, hey, Jen go. I'm like, sitting here, like, first shut up, I'm like, for whatever reason, Gen 2 sounds like ass. 
Do I sound like um, ass now? So no, you sound wonderful. I would be sitting in public with you on a Walking Dead podcast. <sighs> Heist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so what did you do? So we know for next time. I switched my microphone setting to external. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. It works. That works. Oh, smite. It's alright. Oh, man. Oh, you know what else? You know what else I just did? I just went to get my cake out of the oven. Mm -hmm. Uh I turned the oven off. Oh, no. No, that's okay. I've baked three cakes. Let's talk about Epi. Okay, wait. Oh, Sorry, no, real fast, guys. I actually let's get, let I Ryan talk because he has to leave. I get to go leaving. Really, I'm unfortunately leaving, but if you'd like to talk about The Walking Dead any time, call me. Yeah, you're bitching at me harsh. because we want to talk about The Walking Dead. I have to leave. Very, I have to leave. Sorry. I have to leave. I have to go. I have places to be. Quick, let's talk about Hunger Games for like 60 seconds before I leave. What should we talk about? Well, you're the one that has to leave. What do you want to talk about? We talked about some of the characters. Well, I want to talk about Amanda Greystone was in it. Fantastic casting. What? What's the question? Do you want to talk about the games themselves? Games themselves. Or wait, no, I I know what you need to talk about. You need to talk about about? Apple on steroids. Apple on steroids. So basically, are you talking about all the the cool little, like, Apple-like gadgets they had running the games? Yes. Maybe. Okay. That was actually something that we were trying to figure out when we did the podcast a year and a half ago that we just released on Monday. We were trying to figure out, is it, like, a real arena, and they just have, like, motion activated flames or whatever in it and it the whole thing was a holodeck run by ipads and i think it was awesome and like the night Ryan. sky was a computer grid yes are you washing the dishes <laughs> am i washing the dishes no <laughs> like you've got water running in the background i yeah. don't think i do is it really yeah. are you in the dryer ryan <laughs> i don't think so i've never been in the dryer before i wouldn't even know is there a waterfall oh. in the background ryan oh no i hang on a second i know what it is. hang on one second <laughs> i think ryan's peeing is there a toilet flushing ryan <laughs> thank you trisha you're welcome you know he's gone we scared him off completely <laughs> come back Ryan. Okay, let's keep going without him. He'll catch up. Yeah. Effie! I want to talk about Effie. Oh, there he is. Yes. yes. <laughs> that, was Dan- that was Danielle running the hair dryer, so I have literally 30 seconds or else her hair is going to get stuck like that and my marriage will be over. So I absolutely <laughs> loved I loved the, the Star Trek holodeck. I was intrigued by the fact that we didn't know that Katniss was basically faking the whole romance with Kiva because the way they filmed it, I wish they had like maybe like a camera sound effect in the cave to you know further emphasize that. I thought Snow was awesome. I think that Gale was a little too aw shucks, ma'am, for my tastes. I think he, I saw him as more sarcastic in the book and as more of like a straight man, whereas he had like a goofy grin on his face at the end. Like it seemed like he was too hot and cold. That was my only thought there. But other than that, I think it's one of the best movies I've seen in the theaters in a long time. I've seen this and Harry Potter in one year, which is, like, incredible. I've seen two movies in theaters. By the way, I spent more on food than I did on tickets. I don't know if you realize this, but, you know, the yeah. food is very expensive there. Danielle bought vitamin water. I told her to save it for the rest of our lives. It's not on the five-year plan. <laughs> it's not on the five-year plan. I'm sorry, I'm actually winded saying all that. That's the most I've talked in a while. I haven't podcasted in a bit. We need to get you on a podcast, right? We do. Like, maybe The Walking Dead. I get it. Uh-huh. I get, uh, no, I'm saying I'm excited. You did this to me. I'm excited. I want to talk about it. All right. Let's talk so, about it next well, week. No, 
Yes. Let's talk about it next week. So anyway, During spring break. Uh, last thing I'll say, the moment when the games began and Katniss is going up in the tube and she's like... Shaking. Yep, I think... That was perfect. I, I was having heart palpitations during that scene. That is how good this movie actually was. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I loved the countdown and stuff. And then, because I always wonder how in the world they saw the countdown in there, because maybe I thought I heard it, but I liked how they like scanned to the little countdown and it's going to five, four, it was, it was, three... Two, one, kind of thing. Kind it of was cool. absolutely, absolutely awesome. All right, guys, I gotta take off, but thanks for having me for the little time I was here. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for coming. Hi, Ryan. Welcome, Love you. Well. See you. Bye. Love you. See you. Bye. Bye. Tell Danielle she can get her hair done now. Effie. Okay. Effie. 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 At first, I did not like her. I loved her. At first, I didn't, but then later on, I really, I think she really got into it because I always remember Katniss going manners. That is the most important thing to Effie was the manners, and she's always was saying, "She's like that's mahogany." That's mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Did anybody get Umbridge vibes from her? All dressed in pink. No, I didn't. Not at all. I I wanted her. I wanted her hair to be pinker. I was too focused on the gold lips. Yeah, the lips were kind of cool. <laughs> and the big, like, flower in her head. Mm-hmm. Which, speaking of, who dressed up when they went to the... Did you... Am no, I the only one that went to the premiere? You the only one that dressed up, and I'm still waiting for pictures. I, I put them online. Where? They're on Facebook. Well, I didn't get to see them. All right, hang on, go find you. I had this crazy black and white, floral print, yellow edged dress and I had this gigantic yellow hydrangea planted in the middle of it and then I had another one on my head. Good gravy. All the pictures that you have on here is just like fabric. I don't see anything of you. Here, let me go get that. <laughs> Good picture of you and eBaby though. There I am. There you are. Where? Hold on. I'm copying. I think we're going to lose Trisha. This could be a really interesting podcast. Yeah, sorry. Okay, we're going to do Effie really fast. Oh, it's not available to me. Yeah, it's unavailable. Why? I have no idea. Oh, it's content. It's currently unavailable. Edit album privacy. Pofuanians. <laughs> Trisha, talk about Effie, because I know you have to go. I really like There, I edited uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you look great. Cute. Oh, that's great. Just click on the next one. I like it. Because I had drawn a flower on my face, and then I cried so much during the movie that I... <laughs> No, that was not wiping. It was just, I didn't wipe it at all. I just cried it off because I was too busy watching the movie to wipe my eyes. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. I really, you couldn't tell, both of us, you couldn't tell from our makeup very well. But I mean, we just had this like crazy, like yellow. Both of us did this like gold thing going on. I had so much gold on my face and even my lips. It's hard to tell because it looks like it's just shine, but Mm -hmm. I had like gold lips. Yeah, I can see the the gold in there. And I love the flower in your hair. Yeah, I liked Effie's costumes. They they were really good. It was good. I it wasn't mm-hmm. exactly what I thought that she was going to look like, but it 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 was pretty darn close. Other than I wanted her hair to be more like a bubblegum pink like Tonks. Other than yeah. that. But I liked how they re- she really emphasized manners, manners, manners because that's what Effie is. She's about manners. Right. Yeah. Well, she's like charm school, you know. Mhm. She's yeah. like the charm school teacher. Little Miss. I use the right manners. fork. I use the right yeah. 
But that is mahogany was, I think, the best line in the entire movie. Yeah, I start giggling at that. <laughs> yeah, I did laugh. I did laugh. Or at least her best line in the entire movie. Maybe not the best line, but it was great. Yes, it was. Okay, anything else, Trisha, before you leave us? No, and then it'll be um, the I Sue and Jen show. Yeah, other than the only thing I was kind of disappointed was that the wolves and the wolves of the of all the tributes eyes were supposed to be in there. And we got some kind of weird mountain lion thing instead. Yeah. I think it was, it was like a mountain lion on steroids or something. I don't know. I wasn't real thrilled about that. And the cornucopia, I for some reason I was picturing it like a big cornucopia, <laughs> the little steel I mean, I was picturing it to be gold and ropey and everything like that. I accept that cornucopia. It makes more sense of that one than mm-hmm. the one I imagined. So, so kudos for that. I went and saw it a second time. and I saw it the second time today. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, I took my mom today to see it. I met people from work. And it turns out that neither one of them had read the book. Oh, how did they, did they understand it? Because I heard a lot of people who didn't read the book didn't understand it. They did. Well, my, my mom did, hasn't read it either. She, but she wanted to see the movie before she read the book because she's one of those people that's really into, uh, she likes to be able to read the book after because the book is always better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she did have some questions. She had a hard time with the Katniss, PETA, you know, relationship love thing relationship mm-hmm. you know and and what was going on with gail because she's she said something to the effect of what about her boyfriend back home and i'm like and i just kind of said to mom i said is he her boyfriend <laughs> and she's like well hmm. and then she just kind of stopped and i said she doesn't think he's your boyfriend no she doesn't get it and then she said something about the relationship with Peta, and i'm like there is no relationship with Peta. the relationship with Peta is in Peta's head Mm-hmm. not in Katniss's and my mom just kind of gave me this blank you know like drooly stare I'm like this whole series is about the movie is the Hunger Games and the, and the book is about that and what you're seeing right now is the Hunger Games you're seeing the lead into this but I said the whole premise of the whole thing is not about so much about the games it's about the oppression of the people and the revolution that follows mm-hmm. and by what Katniss does by you know defying them by defying them and she doesn't even really consciously realize that you know she's like oh i'm gonna kill myself let's neither one of us win you know that um you know it's just a moment where she's like nobody's gonna win you know she's just pissed off nobody's gonna win this because you know get away with this yeah you know if we both can't go home you know she's just indignant if we both can't then neither one of us are going it's not an overt I'm going to stick it to the man. It's just like, we're not going to choose. So, you know, my mom just, you know, started having all these questions and I'm like, this is where you're really going to have to read the book. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, because it's, it's really so much deeper than just what you're seeing here on the screen. Well, it's Um, true. My, well, I'm going to say goodbye. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Yep. I agree with you, though. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll Have see a good night. Better. See you, you Wednesday. Too. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. The reason I brought it up was that the lady that was sitting next to me, just as the movie started, said, oh, I should warn you, I'm really jumpy in movies. Anything. It's just, I have a really hard time sitting still, and my husband hates it. And I said, oh, it's okay. And we're both, you know pretty big people and so we were leaning on each other basically because we both filled the seats and she was like jumping and moving and when the dogs were coming i knew (laughs) you know i was doing i was i was like (laughs) my mom was like why do you keep 
I, I don't know if I was twiddling my thumbs or I was like screwing my hands or something because I knew it was coming. And my mom was like, I'm just like, I can't say it because I just wanted to say, get ready for it. Get ready for it. <laughs> because, I mean, I think everybody in the theater the first night just like peed their pants when oh, that yeah. thing came out. And she jumped a mile, and then she was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. I was waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. Yeah. So. Well, what what I was going to say earlier before everybody got off, and you'll understand this more anyway, because Ryan would try to equate it to his cats. <laughs> <laughs> and Trisha would understand, but, you know, she's gone. Is that this was really hard for me to watch. And I always go back to this, and I'm sorry, but it's just my Pufuanian role, and, you know, everybody can just suck it up. It was harder to watch as a mom than it was to read it. Yeah, I can see that. When I first read the books, I told my mom, I said, oh, they're making a movie. You're going to have to come watch it with me. You love movies. And she said, what's it about? And I told her, and she was like, I'm not going to that. I'm like, no, really, you like it. It's hard to explain, but it's really good. And she's like, no. And so I got the books for my nephew for Christmas. I got him Hunger Games. And he, like, stayed up all night reading it. He's 11. Yeah. And, and then, because he was reading it, my brother read it. And I got him the next two books for his birthday, because his birthday was a month or so later. And I said, I'll, I'll take you to the movie. He said, well, I want to go to the midnight show. I said, you have school and I have work. Oh, it's fine. I stay up till midnight all the time. I'm like, no, no, no. Three o'clock in the morning, dude. He's like, oh, it'll be fine. All right. So I said to my mom, I said, you want to go? And she said, yeah, I want to go. You've got to read the books first. So she's, right now as we speak, finishing Mockingjay. Yeah. Because she's been inhaling the books. So we all went for the midnight show. And it was really fun. My nephew slept for the hour before the movie started. I remember you posting that he snored, snored. until the movie started. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> but I can see it as, you know, a parent. Because you can equate it was that really, to your child going it out was there. Really and I didn't feel that way when I read the, I mean, I did a little bit. I didn't feel that way when I read it. To me, it was when I read it, it was more from Katniss's perspective. Mm -hmm. But when I saw it on the screen and you see the destitution of the district and you see how terrified Prim is and you see how protective Katniss is and you know that she's going hunting and you know why she's hunting and hoping that she can, you know, fill the larder. She's trying to prepare for any possibility and, you know, and then they're getting ready and, and you just see her mom is just, you know, vacant. And then you just see all of those parents, you know, filing into that square and it's just silent. Mm -hmm. And then you just, you know, all of those kids and then, you know, I'm just sitting there. I was bawling at that point in the movie. Right. I didn't cry at it today, but when I saw it the first time, I was a complete wreck. And the girl that I went with, the one that was in the picture, both of us were like holding on to each other for dear life mm -hmm. <laughs> at that point in the movie. I mean, we were just a mess. And and she just looked at me and she's like, I couldn't handle it. She's like, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't put my kids in. I couldn't let my kids. She's like, I would run away. I would let them shoot us all in the woods. She's like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't either. Oh, yeah. And you think about these parents and they're so beaten down. The absolute oppression of the people that they're just willing year after year, 74 years they've done that. 
They've done it for 74 years. They've allowed them to steal their children. They've allowed them to slaughter their kids. It was just so gritty. And then on top of it, you know, you're just literally, you're knowing you're watching them die, but you're still having to imagine, you know, the moment of death or the impact of death in your own head. So you're actually making it worse in your head than what it really was, I think. So it's even more raw. I think it's more raw. It's more emotional because of the way they filmed it. I mean, it kept the rating down, but it makes the emotion level of it so much worse. I mean, for a kid, it's not going to be that big a deal. But I mean, I maybe for an adult on a different level, you're going to, it's just, it's so much more intense. And then you're watching that and then Rue. Oh, yeah. <sighs> and she was so cute. They did such a great job with her. I mean, she was so perfect in that role. She was so absolutely, she was exactly what I saw, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous that I've seen articles that people didn't know that she was black. Oh, and I that know. She, Isn't that just ridiculous? And the first thing that I, somebody mentioned it to me, and the first time we're like, what are you talking about? The first thing she says about her in the book is that she has dark skin. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, what does that mean to you? That you thought that she was at a tanning bed, you know? It was a farming district, but it was exactly the way that I thought. To me, when I read the book, I thought about a little black prim. You know, she bonded with her because she saw her as a little sister. And then, you know, the flowers. And she was so good about, it's like she just is like railing at the establishment. And she's in so much pain and she's just screaming. And and then the people in the square. and, And I know the riot. And I'm not sure if the riot really happened then or if that's, they're trying to bring in the riot from... District 11 in book two, and they're just trying to bring in some of the politics. But I think I bawled through that entire sequence. Well, and she got up, you know, and she started to leave. And I thought, they're not going to do the flowers. They they can't not do the flowers. And then she started picking at them. I was like, okay, good. You know, but the one thing about that scene, the cannons never went off for either one of them. Yeah, I know. Every other time somebody died, the cannons went off immediately. But when the boy that killed Rue and when Rue died, Neither time did the cannons go off. I thought that was I did really not- interesting. Yeah, I did notice that. And I did have to, my mom, what was she saying? Something about, she was very worried about the bodies. She's like, what do they do with the bodies? And I'm like, well, in the book, they come and get them right away. And then she also. Um, no, I'm here. I'm, I'm thinking and I lost my train of thought. I loved, I loved, I loved, I loved the bow and arrow scene where she shoots the apple out of the pig's mouth. That was so great because, you know, you knew it was coming, but she goes in and she misses. And and we know that she missed because it's a new bow and she's not practiced with it at all. Well, she never picked it. She never even picked it up. No, and they totally ignored her. And and so she bullseyes it and she looks at him and they're like, nobody's paying attention. She's just like, that's it. I've had it. And I loved when, uh, I can never remember his name, Crane. Seneca? Seneca Crane. Seneca Crane went over and he's like, so who brought the pig? And I thought, oh, you're in trouble here. Oh, yeah. And then Effie going off on her was so perfect. And Hamish, when he came in and gave her the thumbs up. Yes, I, I laughed. I just laughed. Yeah, that was so perfect. Mom didn't quite get the whole drunk and not drunk. And I'm just like, well, you'll get more of that in the book. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but he is drunk and he does sober up. <laughs> I'm like, but they did a decent job. He did do his job when he needed to. 
Right. He was such a good Haymitch. He was really a good Haymitch. And just the whole, when he first came in, and he's like, where's the eyes? I'm absurd, you know? And, yeah. And Sweetheart, he was perfect with the Sweetheart. Yeah, that I, was one of the things. It was like, he's got to nail this or it's not going to work. When they announced it as Woody Harrelson, I actually, I don't know that I, you know, thought immediately in my head, oh, Woody Harrelson will be a perfect Haymitch. But when they said his name, I'm like, oh, he'll do a great job because mm-hmm. he can do drunk. Really well. Yeah, he can do like deadbeat, like nobody's business. Right. But then he can also clean up. I do have to say that they dumbed up the messages in the deliveries, you know, and I know that they did that for the movie, mm-hmm. but it's like. Yeah, it's been so long since I read the book. I can't remember what the messages were. Well, there was no message. Well, that, okay, that makes more sense because she was in tune with him. Right. And you don't because see any of that in the movie. Right, because you don't see it in the movie because you don't see her hunting for water. But she's she's thinking right away that she's looking for water and she's kind of talking to herself. She's like, I need water. I need water. I need water. And, you know, she's just like, surely if, you know, if I'm going to die, Hamish is not going to let me die out here without water. And then she just starts thinking she's like, I must be close enough to water that he's not going to waste that kind of money sending me water if I'm close enough. And then that's where she starts to kind of decide that she's going to think like Hamish. Right. And then, you know, he sends her the medicine, but then when she's with PETA and he's sick and she decides that she's going to test it out by playing it up for the cameras. And then she kisses him and right away they get, Mm -hmm. they get help. She knows. Yeah. This is exactly what he's been waiting for. I took notepad with me both times. Of course, I've left the notes from the first night over at the other house. But my (laughs) notes for the second night was that they, or the second time I saw it, was that she found the water way too quick. They didn't have that at all. Where she was, you know, really thirsty and, and stuff like that. You don't see that at all in the movie. I did read that, I can't remember now where they filmed it, but the, the place that they filmed it, they have these beautiful waterfalls and that was the reason that they filmed it there. And they went at the, like in spring and they're like, this is perfect. This is exactly what we need. And they went back at the height of summer and they're like, where's the water? And they actually had to dam the creek up to make it really? for her to fall in. Yeah. Oh, really? Which I thought was interesting. Where yeah. did they film it? Do you remember? Was it in Canada? No, it was in uh, North Carolina or something like that. Really? Yeah. yeah. And uh, don't quote me on that, but it was somewhere in the in States. Area. In the States. Yeah. And the area that they used had something like 32 waterfalls in that particular area. It was just exactly what they were looking for. I bet it was down by the Smokies somewhere. Yeah. But I just thought it was really interesting that they had, you know, gone back to film these scenes and there was no water. They're like, okay, now what do we do? I guess I just kind of assumed, you know, it's like they always film all this in Newfoundland or British Columbia. And I guess I just assumed that they would have done it there. But (laughs) I can't even remember where I read it. It was probably somewhere on Facebook, but I don't remember where I came across it. I do agree with Ryan and the whole Gale Allshucks things. I pictured him as being rougher. Yeah. Well, even at the very beginning when he scares off the deer. Yeah. I never would have. He would have let her kill it because even if they had to have skinned it, you know, I mean, that would have meant or something so that they could. That would have meant meat for the family. I mean, it's like, why would you scare off a deer? For a month. That was a little off. They could have smoked that or dried it and had meat for they ages. Could have hidden it somehow until I mean the the people are only there for the day, but that may not be true. I was thinking, well, the uh, peacekeepers are only there for the day for the reaping, 
but they immediately take them on the train. But the peacekeepers stay to make sure that everybody else watches the news feed. I was thinking, well, they're only there for a day. They could have hid the deer for a day and, and gone back to get it. Yeah, but they could have just cooked it. Yeah, but they'd have to make sure that it was a really smokeless fire and stuff like that with all the peacekeepers there. You know, they could have got it. Yeah, but they, he could have butchered it into pieces and just mm -hmm. hauled it back. And yeah. yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. They could have snuck it in and out pretty easy. I'm thinking that you don't waste a kill like that. I wouldn't have seen that happen either. And I agree with Trisha. He was cute. I was like, okay, he's really cute. But, you know, the more that we spent time with PETA, he was just, I was like, yeah, well, you know, he's kind of cute too. Well, yeah, he's like the little pocket boyfriend. Yeah. My mom commented on the fact that there is no way he could have, you know, painted his face to match the rocks without a mirror. Oh, no. The rest of it, the body stuff being buried, I could see, but the rock thing didn't quite work. I mean, it was great cinematically, but if you thought about it, it was like, no, that doesn't quite work. I could see him in the mud bank because then he's just mud. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I that's what I pictured from the book was just that he had, you know, mud on his face and that he was muddy. But, you know, that was some artistic liberty that they took. Yeah, just a little. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else that just... I mean, I was obviously just Rue knocked my socks off. The reaping just really knocked my socks off. The two the notes. I'm trying to figure out what this says. No something for Rue. It must be canon. Cinna. I loved Cinna. Cinna was, yeah. I will be shocked if Lenny Kravitz doesn't get an, an, a nomination for Best Supporting Actor in this movie. Right. I know that he didn't have a lot of screen time. But he was so effective in this movie. And they really, they pushed him forward and they kind of, you saw the rest of the crew. I can't even remember what they call them now. It's been so long since I read the story. The, but The prep team. The prep team. You saw them, but you didn't really get to know them. And they weren't quite as flamboyant as they were in the books, I don't think. Yeah, and I don't think, she didn't know them as well in the first book either. She doesn't get to know them as well. That's true. It's the second book where she really it's, identifies with them and starts to get to know them better when they're on the afterwards. Mm -hmm. When they're on the train going back through. Because at first, you know, it's just her, you know, them ripping all her hair off and she's whacked out. And Yeah. I think we might have to bathe her again. <laughs> she's just yeah. like, if you come near me with that hose, I'm going to rip your eyes out. <laughs> yeah. She's just kind of freaked out by the green lady, who wasn't green, by no, the way. No. And, and But they are there at the end, you know, when you see them later, at like at meal times and stuff like that, you see them. But you don't really know who they are unless you kind of know who they are. Right, right. So I thought that was a little weird. Earlier when you were talking about the reaping, it made me think of Snow's, do you know why we have a winner? We have a winner because of hope. And a little of it's effective, but not a lot. Don't give them a lot of hope, you know? So. Yeah, and that was added into the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, they, and that was okay. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, it worked. And it explains some things for the people who don't know what's going on, which was just more of a reason why I'm just going to have a really hard time watching more Pride and Prejudice because <sighs> Donald Sutherland is just. He plays creepy really well. Yes, he does. And I mean, and he's cutting those stupid roses and just creep, 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 creep. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just thinking of creepy, 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 mean, creepy, evil, creepy. I'm like, why can't you just be the good Mr. Bennett? 
Sorry. You don't have to yeah, go get your Pride and Prejudice fix and get you back into that mindset. I know, but it's going to be rough because I'm going to end up having four Hunger Games movies of creepy... That's true. ...presidents. No. It's very true. What was the other thing? Oh, I liked Seneca. I did like Seneca, and he was totally... I According to the books, Seneca was cast all wrong. Because mm-hmm. Seneca was kind of an older guy in the books, I think. Well, you don't get his name in the books. I mean, you don't know anything about him in the first book. It's yeah. not until the second book that you even get his name. But I really liked, and this was the other thing that my friend from work that went to the movie with me, she said, so how different was the ending? And I said, well, I thought it was perfect. And she said, the only thing that I heard was the people had read the books, hated the ending. And the only thing that I could think of with that is that they hated the berries. And I thought the berries were perfect. When yeah, they took I mean, him to that room and he walks and then, in and you see that cut glass bowl full of those berries and you just know, goodbye. Yeah, because they, they hung him in the book. I thought you weren't really sure what happened to him in the book. Well, I think... But maybe. I, I know that they kind of talk about it. Well, she hangs the effigy. Mm-hmm. She hangs his effigy in the second book when they do the the presentation right. after training. And she hangs him... She's found out somehow that he was hung. I think she did it through the prep team. I think the prep team told her that he was hung. Okay. I knew that they had told her that they thought he was dead, but I didn't know that they'd said he was hung. Well, she thinks he was hung. Right. I think I need to go read the books again. Yeah, I reread them before the movie came out. That's the only reason why I vaguely think that this is true. Because I'm definitely no expert. Right. Just that I knew that the movie was coming out, so I decided I was going to reread the series. So it's relatively fresh in my mind. But she thinks that he was hung because otherwise she would have done something else. Right. I mean, she would have killed him another way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I agree. I loved his beard. I thought that was great. Just, to, you know, his little nod to the overtopness of being at the Capitol. Yeah. But I did. I thought that the ending where they escort him into the room and then the door is locked. There's just nothing there but those berries. Yeah. You just know he's just like, oh, crap. Because he gambled. I mean, Snow told him, don't give him too much. And he did. You see them cut to the uh, to the controllers in the, in the game room, mm-hmm. in the control room. And you see a couple of the, uh, the control people at some point when PETA and... Katniss are together, you can see them, you know, like sighing or mm-hmm. I don't know if sighing is a good word, but like looking relieved or. Well, they're caught up in it too. Yeah. And as much as they're controlling the game and they're doing, you know, and we had Ryan talk about the apple on steroids, but that was amazing. You know, can you give me a tree right here? Sure. You know, or let's pop these dogs up in the middle of nowhere. I love the opulence of the train. I liked the scenes of the Capitol. I loved PETA when he's like, oh, there it is. And he's like waving and smiling and telling her, come on, come and wave. I did really, really like the um, contrast of them walking, you know, from the district to the train. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, just literally stepping from one world to the other and just how vastly different it was and how they'd never, you know, you. They just never had seen anything like that at all. It was mind-boggling. It had to have been mind-boggling for them. And just the the shots of the food and that, you know, there was just food, mm-hmm. all that different food. And it was like, whoa. They didn't show a lot of that. I mean, you would think that they would have just like fallen on the food like wild beasts. 
and they didn't really do that. But I loved Effie's. That was the other uh, scene of Effie's that I really liked. The dessert. Yeah. And I don't think they get dessert. But you do. <laughs> but you do. And they're just like, eh, I'm not hungry. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. I love the total silence when she volunteered. Yeah. And Effie's like, oh, let's hear it for our very first volunteer. And everybody's just like dead silent. And then they do the I'm, salute. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, the whole reaping, I just was. Well, here, I'm going to give you a little something back. The red carpet for The Hunger Games when they did the premiere of the movie. Donald Sutherland, creepy President Snow, walked in on the red carpet. And at one point he stopped and he faced all the fans that were standing out there. And he gave them the salute. Oh, well, okay. That's awesome. And they said, hate the character, love the man. That's yeah. what the article said that I had read. So All right. All right. That, that'll give you a little something. I don't, know if okay. it, I don't know if it's enough, but it made me think of it. <laughs> okay. All right. I can, I can work with that. Because, you know, I don't want to destroy him for you. That would be very sad. <sighs> <laughs> I'm else? telling you. Mm. I'm going to have to watch that show again. Let's see. I have Buttercup, Yellow, Umbridge, Train, Hamish. That is mahogany. That is mahogany. Cinna, Hope, Movie <sighs> Equals Games. I like the movie that they showed. Not really, but I mean, I like the way they yeah, did it. Yeah, the, the propaganda. I, and maybe it was just me because I made a dress that was, you know, like made out of very loud black and white flowers. I was really surprised at the artistic take on the Capitol. That all the dresses and all of the wardrobe costuming was just all very, I don't think monochromatic is what, not what I want to say, but it's like everybody dressed in all in one color. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, that was a very Caesar Flickerman kind of thing to do, is that he decided to do all lavender one year, and this year it's all blue. Especially the woman in Mocking Jay who hides them in her shop basement. Right. I mean, she's like a cat. You know, you don't see anybody with green skin like Octavia. I mean, you see people who are wearing flamboyantly colored clothes, but you don't see anybody that's really flamboyant, if right. you know what I mean. They had the clothes and the makeup, the eye makeup and the lip makeup. But that was, you know, that was mostly it. But you didn't see like the whole skin dye. You didn't see a lot of the hairs. Sometimes the hair was dyed or, you know, like the pink poodles and stuff like that. But it wasn't as over the top as it could have been. You know, I'm sure that's just an artistic thing, but it's like in my mind when I saw the Capitol, I just saw like crazy wild. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was just like a very muted palette of color. It's like looking at a rainbow. And I did like the added scenes that they put in there. They showed Hamish schmoozing and getting the uh, money money and stuff. The the scene with the little boy unwrapping the sword. Oh, boy. Chasing his sister around with it. And, yeah, and trying to stab her. Trying to stab her and all of that. And Hamish just, you know, getting up in disgust. Yeah. So I liked yeah. those kinds of things. I liked that they added the District 11 revolt, even though and it's hard to know. Because they talk about it in the second book, but you don't really know when exactly they did it. I think partially they might have been adding some of that for the political reasons for people who didn't understand. If you've not read the book, then you're not going to understand. Yeah, what's going on? You've not read the series, you're not going to understand some of the political reasons behind all of it. And I think you got to throw a little bit of that in there to even it out. Maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't know. But I felt like that's what they were kind of doing for the sake of the people who hadn't read the book was throwing that in there to help them understand. 
Yeah, I thought that too. Help them understand a little better what was coming, what was going on or what was coming, you know, coming up in the next movies that the people were really, you know, couldn't handle it anymore. Because this, like I said, this is all about the games, but the series isn't really about the games. It's about it's about the politics. It's about the politics. It's about triumphing over, you know. Yeah, it's about the right. people, you know. It's like Snow said. You can give them a little bit of hope because a little bit of hope is going to keep them in line. But if you give them too much hope, then that's when you have the rebellion. And that's a dis- I, no, you think? No, 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 no. I, I, I totally agree. I just, that made me think of something else. I was a little disappointed that they didn't include more, a tiny bit more background about Katniss's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a little bit. I mean, you saw him go down, you saw him explode, and then you saw her yelling at her mom. Now, that's something really interesting because I listened to the Hunger Games podcast, and they've made a really big deal out of the fact that she never calls her mother anything but mother. But in the movie, she called her mom, 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 you have to snap out of it. You have to pay attention. Mom, come back. And in the book, there was a big deal made out of the fact that she only called her mother. And I think we saw a lot of the disdain. They did a pretty good job of showing, you know, her mom would like go, oh, aren't you pretty? And she'd like shove past her and say, oh, you're so beautiful, little duck. And yeah, let's tuck in that tail, little duck. And I love that when her name was called and she started to walk up there that she tucked in the back of her shirt. Yeah. And that was just, and I liked the part where they put in the fact that she was having nightmares about the reaping. Because yeah. I don't think that's in the book. I could be wrong. Um, I don't remember. I don't know. But anyhow, I like that part. Or she might not have had an overt nightmare like that, but Katniss might mention, might have mentioned that she was upset about it. Well, yeah. Or that she was worried about her first. I mean, you have to be as she should be, yeah. right? And I like that the where they did the blood. I wondered about that. How are they keeping track of all these kids? What are they doing to make sure that everybody shows up like they're supposed to and everybody's name is in there? And that was a good way to do it. Yeah. How do they know that somebody's had a kid and that they're still alive or? Yeah. Well, there's got to be records. I'm sure the mayor has to keep some sort of record or something. But yeah, that's not anything we know. Have you heard the theory about Foxface and the berries? Mm, No. So the theory is that Foxface, if you, in the story, in, in the movie, you see her and she's doing the, she's at that board, that whiteboard with all the silhouettes on it, and she's just like acing it. And that's the, right. that's the plants and stuff like that. So she knew about the berries. She had to have known about the berries because she aced that portion of the, the pre-game, the, I can never remember the word for the where they go in and they train. Well, I just thought maybe that was a matching thing. Was that supposed to be? Yeah, but was that supposed to book, be a, a plant ID? Yeah, I think it is. I think that's what it was supposed to be. was a plant ID. But so the theory that I just heard, of course, I can't remember who brought it up. I think it was Blue Jay brought it up on the forum, was that she knew that the berries were poisonous and that she chose to eat the berries to die because what she was facing was either Cato or Thrush or the District 12 duo, or starving to death. And she decided to just take herself out quickly. And I hadn't thought that before, but I thought, wow, that's kind of an interesting theory. If she really did ace the flora and fauna portion of the pre-game thing, where they learned all the different skills that they were going to need to be inside the arena, then she might have known that those berries were poisonous. I didn't think about that. Maybe she just decided to do it on her own terms. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I just thought it was a really interesting theory that somebody had stuck out there. So I had to bring it up because it, it does kind of make you stop and think. <laughs> huh. Yeah, didn't even occur to me. Yeah. And somebody else had wrote that somebody had actually written fan fiction about that. But I haven't read it, so I don't know exactly what they what it is. But apparently, yeah. we're not the first to, to bring it up because somebody apparently wrote about it. Hmm. Never even thought of that. Always something new you could bring into these stories and stuff. So. Yep. I'm looking on my notes. I don't think I have anything else. Yeah, I think I've talked out what. Yeah, we pretty much jumped all over the place, but I think we hit most of it. Yeah, I think so too. Everybody that I've talked to loved it. I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about it. I mean, there's pieces, like in every movie, but for the most part, everybody really enjoyed it. I haven't heard of anybody that didn't like it. I'm looking forward to the next one. Ugh, without question, November of 2013. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I want to make a midnight one for that. Because uh, I was able to, to get the day off after the midnight show for this last one. And my nephew had to get up and go to school. <laughs> I tell you what, I was a zombie. Mm-hmm. I was a zombie. <laughs> I I don't know how people do that. I don't know how they function. And my brother, well, he was working on a deadline and he's like, oh man, I have to have this done by at two o'clock the next day. I have to be done. Calvin and I went to the movie at 10 and my brother came at 11 with my mom. And then he went home after the movie and worked all night long. And I stopped in at about noon and he said, I'm just getting ready to send it off. And I said, oh good, you can sleep. And he said, no, I have to pick up Calvin at three and then we have baseball practice. So he didn't get to go to bed until, you know, eight or nine that night. I think he fell asleep on the couch and didn't move for 24 hours, but I felt so bad for him. But that's the way he works. He pulls all-nighters all the time. There's no way I could do that. I was, you know, excited to be able to drive myself home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I can't. And I was really shocked by the, the opening night at my theater because when I went to get tickets, they had a sign on the door that said Hunger Games starting at 12.05, 1, 10, 3.20, 5 something. And I was like, wow, they're going to show this all night long. They're really expecting a lot of people. And so I went in and I got my tickets ahead of time because I knew better. And then I went the day of the movie and I said, how are you doing this? Are you going to be letting people in to sit down you know, about 10 o'clock or are we going to have to stand in line for two hours like we did for Harry Potter because I can't stand in line that long. And she said, no, we don't have any shows after nine o'clock. We'll be seating people by 10. I was like, okay, I'll be here at 10. And I told, you know, I said, we've got to get there early. They're expecting a ton of people. They're opening all the theaters for it. We were the second people in the theater at 10 (laughs) o'clock. When we went to go see Harry Potter, when the second Deathly Hallows, Mm -hmm. we got there at 11, a little after 11, and they weren't seating yet. And we got in and got, you know, pretty good seats. I mean, we stood in line and got pretty good seats. So I decided, you know, with Harry Potter, I mean, if if we're going to the same theater and, Mm -hmm. you know, if we can get there at 11 and there's still, you know, good, decent seats, then we ought to be able to go to Hunger Games at 11 and still get seats. So we got there at 11 and all, all the theaters were already seated. And we went in and we saw it in the IMAX and we got seats. The only two seats that were together were right as you walked in 
like on the level right where you walk in before mm-hmm. you walk up any stairs. It right. was right there. And that IMAX theater, you can walk down some steps and there's another, there's a, several more rows that go down. Mm-hmm. But there was several sections of seats that were right there on the level where you walked in. And most of the seats that were down were filled, but the ones that were right there as you walked in hadn't been filled. And the ones that we got were on the other end of the theater away from the door where you walked in. And those were the only two that were together. The only two that we could find even close together, there was one behind another, Mm -hmm. like up farther in the theater. And we didn't want to sit like that. So we sat lower and it wasn't the greatest. Mm -hmm. But you know, beggars can't be choosers. But I was shocked that, you know, we could go to Harry Potter an hour before. And get in. And and get in. And then for this one, I mean, and that theater has 16 screens and every screen was sold out. Yeah. They told me this, this is a seven plex, but we're in a little tiny town. So, you know, I didn't expect it to be horrible. And she told me we'll open theaters, as many theaters as we need. So I wasn't too worried about that, but I was worried about getting seats together because we needed four of them. And when I had gone to the Harry Potter, I got there at 10 for the last movie and the line was to the door. And I was like, oh, crap. And so I went in and asked, I said, you know, I've got this ticket. Which line do I need to be in? Because they had several lines and they're like, oh, they're already seating you. I was like, yes. So I went in and I got a seat, but I was alone for Harry Potter. So it was no big deal. I could sit just about anywhere and find a seat for just me. But I knew that getting seats for, for four of us was going to be harder. And that's why my nephew and I went early because my, I knew my mom, my mom's ideal movie going experience is you walk in as the lights are going down. She hates yeah. to sit in the theater. So I knew that she wouldn't sit for two hours, you know, and I knew that my brother had work to do. So we just arranged for them to come later. But I will admit, though, in a theater that's not full, that doesn't bother me. But in a theater like the IMAX that was sold out, it aggravates me a little when people go and they save seat for people that aren't there and aren't going to be there until God knows when. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, they because there were there were still people when the preview started showing that weren't there there were still a bunch of seats in the theater that were being quote-unquote saved for people that weren't there and i was really aggravated (laughs) oh yeah i don't blame you for that it's one thing to you know you save seats for people who are coming but that kind of torques me off in a sold-out theater i mean Mm -hmm. because there were people that had saved whole rows yeah that's wrong you know they had like blocks of 10 or or 12 seats together and it's like Okay. And then nobody's there. Yeah, nobody's there. I'm like, oh, these are all saved. It's like, okay, where are your people? Yeah, that's wrong. It's 15 minutes till showtime. Where are your people? Yeah, that's that's not right. I mean, we went at 10 and my brother and my mom came at 11. And I figured saving seats for that was cool. Not to no, mention that, that Calvin was sleeping across two of them, snoring away, you know, so... People no, kept coming in and looking at me. I'm like, he's not mine. I don't know anything about this kid. Nope, he's not mine. You know, <laughs> I shake it. Calvin, you're snoring. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, an hour before showtime, I don't no, have a problem with. I there totally were... agree with even 15 minutes. And I've been in theaters where they've come in and said, okay, y'all need to scoot to the middle of the row so that the end seats are open and people have a place to come in. And I kept expecting them to come in and do that because usually they do. 
come in and start telling people to, you know, scoot in and so that people could get in. Because there were people coming in trying to get seats who had tickets that were walking out and saying that they were going to go just go and trade their tickets for another showing. Because, you know, the only seats left were, you know, front row seats. And I almost can, you know, if I hadn't been dressed up and it didn't take two hours for me to get ready Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the middle of the night and my kid, you know, (laughs) I would have almost considered it myself. But it was just like, damn it, I'm already here. You know, I'm not going home. We sewed for this. (laughs) 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 I spent all day in front of my sewing machine for this. And nobody dressed up at our theater. Nobody. I was really amazed. I had planned on dressing up because, well, I was going with my mom. You know, and it wasn't Harry Potter. If I was going with my mom and it was Harry Potter, you know, I was dressing up. I I could have cared less. But Hunger Games, you know, I I didn't really think about it. I couldn't come up with something to wear. And I was just like, okay, I'm not going to. But nobody dressed up. The only thing that I saw were... Several people came in in Snuggies, and Snuggies. <laughs> a couple of people came with little kids, and the little kids were in their jammies. And now, see that? Why would you bring a little kid? Well, yeah, I, you know, I was thinking that they were probably just planning on falling asleep. You know, I didn't see them after the movie, yeah. Started, so I don't know. But there were two six to eight year olds, maybe. They were pretty small, and they had their jammies on and their pillow and their Snuggies. If I'd had a Snuggie, I'd have been snoring with my nephew. <laughs> yeah, I bet. You know, I had enough trouble staying awake after midnight because I'm no longer the night owl that I used to be now that I have to be up early for work. So it was. Yeah, I was feeling it right before the movie started. But once the movie started, I was like, yeah, yeah I, was I was good. Really worried we wouldn't get him to wake up because we had all tried and he wasn't waking up for anything. And we finally got him to wake up right before the movie started. And I thought he's going to be out again as soon as it gets dark. But he was really into it, and he stayed awake for the whole thing, which was cool. Because, you know, it was a first midnight premiere for him. He'd never got to do any of the other ones. Because they didn't live here then. He'd have been to every Harry Potter one if I'd had a chance. But he was in San Diego, and I was in Oregon. There was no way I could coordinate that. Yeah. So this was the first time I could do it. Cool Aunt Sue taking him to the midnight premiere. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, I need to. Yeah, i got to go lock up the chickens. Yep, I got a boogity. Well, have a really fun weekend. I will. And happy Thank birthday. You. Thank you. And thanks for coming. I'm sorry we didn't grab anybody else, but... No, that's okay. We got I'm a great. couple people. Yeah, I know. You and I had fun. <laughs> Felt weird to talk Hunger Games without Renna, though. I know. I'm really bummed that she didn't make it. And I actually loaded her on my Skype feed so that I could see her if she ever came on. And it's still dark, so... Well, she obviously had stuff going on, so... That's yeah. what happens when you work for a living, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've already packed the booze. All right. All right. Well, and on that note, I think we should say good night. All right. Well, have a good evening. Night. Bye-bye. Night.